This is a Federal News Network podcast. The General Services Administration has awarded five-year blanket purchase agreements to Uber and Lyft so federal employees can use them for official travel, when things return to normal, that is. But usage comes with a 2% fee. In his weekly reporter's notebook, Federal News Network's executive editor Jason Miller has the skinny on these BPAs and and how much take-up they're likely to get. Jason, tell us how much these BPAs are worth and when do they go into effect. The BPAs have a ceiling of $810 million. Now, this sounds incredibly That's high. That's a lot of taxi rides. It's a lot of taxi rides, but it's over five years, so let's be clear. And remember, it's a ceiling, so it's not saying we will spend this much money. It's saying that the agencies have that much to spend over the next five years. And they, they're in effect, you know, as soon as the protest period basically ends, which is about 10 days since the award. The award is, is almost 10 days old, so if there's no protests are filed, which from my reporting doesn't seem like anyone else bid but Uber or Lyft, uh, so we're just waiting to hear from that. But but agencies will have access through their own you know back office real apps to call their Uber, call their call their right. Lyft, and and get uh, uh, use the government purchase card. I don't know who could protest. Maybe Barwood Taxi or something in Maryland. And this two percent fee though is that going to still be a good deal based on the prices they were able to negotiate? I think that's the biggest question that remains unanswered about this procurement, and re- it's a big reason why in many ways, Tom. We're not sure how successful this procurement will be. A 2% fee sounds, okay, not too much. GSA charges fees on a lot of different contracts. But if the discount that GSA says that federal employees are going to get by using this BPA, this blanket purchase agreement, they're going to get a 2 to 4% discount from Uber and Lyft. Well, if they're being charged 2% and they're only getting a 2% discount, what are they really getting from this? Now, they're getting a lot of category management type of services, back-end tracking and data, and that's helpful. But – if you've ever done a, a, one of these ride-sharing applications, which I think you have, and I definitely have, oh yeah, you know you can go back and look at your history, wh- which ro- where the rides went to. You can get receipts sent to your email. The benefits that, on the surface at least, Tom, are not that great to say, well, what am I getting by going through this BPA and paying GSA 2%? Now, maybe there will be benefits, and there are benefits, but just on the surface of reading the RFP and seeing the blog post from GSA, it, it's it's unsure. And each employee that uses this will have to have the app on their government phone, too, which could be an issue. Yes, as far as we can tell from what the RFP says, but it's a standard app. And I think that's one of the big things that why GSA went forward with this type of blanket purchase agreement is really to say we're going to standardize the way the ride sharing capabilities are presented and used by agencies. Tom, GSA estimated about $162 million a year goes through these ride-sharing apps today. That's based on 2018 numbers. 2019 numbers are not quite ready yet. And they're saying that there's trips happening in the, across the top 50 locations that were feds travel. And, of course, no surprise here, the Washington, D.C. location is the biggest user of, of these ride-sharing apps, more than a million trips in 2018 alone. There are also – we have a whole chart on federalnewsnetwork.com outlining where – some of the other big areas, including places like Honolulu or San Diego, Seattle, you can name the top 50 places where there are federal employees. And what GSA is saying basically is we want to make it easier. We want to have a, a standardization. We want to collect the data to understand where that money is being spent. So I think all the rationale behind it is really good. But what what is an agency getting for that 2% fee that they can't already do on their own? And I think that's the big question. Yeah, because even 2% seems like a large fee compared to what other contracts charge. Some of them as low as a half a percent in the case of NASA, I think it is. And even GSA, the Schedules other schedules are, are much 0.75%. lower. 0.75%. 
Uh, and then you have uh, deals where under, for instance, like Alliant 2 or Oasis, where GSA has made special deals with certain agencies who have promised to use those big government-wide contracts more to, for a lower fee. So, again, it, it's right. 2% doesn't seem like a lot. But one of the things that GSA had was a sample ride calculation, and you saw where that 2% fee got folded in. We have that on, on federalnewsnetwork.com as well. So people can get a sense of, okay, what's that really costing me? And if it's a $10 ride and, and there's taxes and an airport fee and the like – Okay, now I'm also paying an extra 50 cents or 85 cents. And you multiply that by a million rides, it's a little bit of money. All right. And then the question is, do you tip? We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And the other issue you're writing about is kind of a hot potato also, and that is a pre-award audit by the Inspector General of the GSA task orders on on, on, uh, the schedules. If you just look at the headline alone, Right, Tom, and, and I could have easily written this headline that GSA leaving $1.1 billion on the table because of poor price negotiating for multiple word schedules. That would make all the headlines. You'd click on it. I'd click on it. Everyone would click on it. And then we'd all shake our fists at GSA saying, how could you leave so much money on the table? But I think this audit specifically needs a little deeper of a dig because it's not so straightforward that, hey, it's a GSA is not negotiating well. It's really what this is, Tom is this idea of when are the audits done, how are they being done, and really what are they comparing? Many times, according to people like Larry Allen, who's on your show quite often, a federal procurement expert, or Roger Waldron, who's the Coalition for Government Procurement's uh, president and former GSA official, both say a lot of times these pre-award audits are done during a renewal or a new scheduled contract. So they're looking at, the IG is looking at the list price. Like you go buy a car, you see the list price, you never pay the list price. And that's what they're comparing, according to Roger Waldron and Larry Allen. The IG says, no, we're not. We actually are comparing the task order level, and agencies are missing the boat. So maybe it's a little unclear from the report where the where the comparison's happening, but there's some experts who believe that this $1.1 billion potential savings that GSA is missing out on is a little higher because the savings do happen at the task order level. Yeah, because there are prices negotiated in those built into those contracts, so it I guess the IG was comparing those prices with prices paid? Those prices compared to commercial items of similar nature. Which they found to be lower. Which they found to be lower. Now, that also takes us down a whole different path that I do write about and I've written about, which is GSA advantage when, when independent assessments have been done. Again, I'll go back to Coalition for Procurement. And actually, two Navy doctorate students also did the same comparison. They looked at GSA advantage. And they looked at other online marketplaces, in this case, Amazon, and found that 80% of the time, 75% of the time, GSA was cheaper. So, again, it goes back to what's the IG looking at that they're even finding cheaper than what these two other studies did that were specifically looking at Amazon, which is supposedly only, I guess, maybe Walmart's cheaper or something. Well, that's right. You would have to compare the different commodities because for some things, the government might be the biggest customer. But for others, it might be a trivial customer. And therefore, it would not get the same price as some commercial buyer that's buying 10 times as much. And the volume, as you said, matters too. If the government's only buying paper once a month and, and you have someone like a place like Staples buying paper every day, is that really an apples to apples comparison too? Again, it's, it's unclear how deep the, the IG looked at it and it's unclear uh, from a GSA perspective what changes they are making as well to, to deal with this. But you know, just to say they're leaving a billion dollars on the table, I'm not sure is the whole story. Right, and this all comes as the consolidation is happening of the GSA schedules, and that could affect the whole mix of contracting officers that are involved. 
as well as the way prices are done, because now you're looking at both products and services all being down in one path. Uh, I, I know, I think you guys are going to talk about order level materials in the coming weeks as I well. I can't wait, yeah. You can't wait. I love that topic too. And that's another, that's another piece to the puzzle. So there's a lot, lot there, Tom. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure. Check out his notebook. It's now posted at federalnewsnetwork.com. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resource page at federalnewsnetwork.com.